Lat B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Lat B MMA Podcast. I'm Emmanuel, and as always, with the best hostess over here, Chaney, filling us in on what we're going to get into for today. First, we will be recapping UFC Norfolk, where there was not a champion crowned, but we'll get into it. Uh, we will fly through the Twitterverse and all of MMA gossip and maybe f- get into a little embedded out of my curiosity, because I haven't seen any of them yet, so I have to pick your brain. And then, finally, what you're all here for, UFC 248. And if you notice, I have been getting a lot better about writing the time in the descriptor, you guys, about when we start the breakdown, because... People appreciate it. Yeah, they just want to know sometimes. When's this breakdown start so I can make them DraftKings plays? So I can see who's going to win the five-pick championship. <laughs> but until we get there, we definitely got to get into this No Fork recap where there was history made for all of the wrong reasons. As you were alluding to, missed weight for the belt. It's only happened four times in the UFC, but it happened again recently. But we always start from the bottom to the top, and we had some of... The youngest boys on the card, Sean Brady, come in and against Ismail Nardiev. Damn hips, known to local fans out here. He has just let me down one too many times. Nardiev just can't pull the trigger. He has all the attributes, but his wrestling hasn't just up to par. It came in with a lot of hype against Prezeris, who was a failing steroid user. So uh, Sean Brady had some great leg kicks in there. Good boxing, kept the... Fight where he wanted to do stuffed all takedowns and even got them. And once Brady got on top, he just pretty much stayed on top. A lot like Ren Counter. And Nardiev just again has not been able to put it into that second gear. So I got to back off. You know, sometimes those hips do lie. Don't believe Shakira. Yeah, if the game plan's there and everyone could see it because there was no different of Sean Brady's game plan over Ren Contour a little. It was just the same. I just felt like it was rinse and repeat. Once yep. you could get him down, it was kind of over. And uh, Nardiev just wasted so much energy getting up every time. It wasn't there. I'm sad to say I had Nardiev too. And unless I see a camp change or something from Ishmael, I I freaking hate at this young. I need something to change or I'm going to think your plateau is just It's long. a three-fight losing streak though. At 170, full of a bunch of beasts. See, maybe another going to... Anyway, you cut it. Even if he went to Bellator, I need to see a camp change. Something needs. Something's Gosh, happening. That's He's a still shame. so I really young. Like Nardia, He's still but so it's young. It's just so stunted. It's so obvious. Something's happening there. So Brady put in a good showing. See what show I have right now. Um, this is what. Oh! Oh! Dang! <laughs> Getting ready for that breakdown on two four eight. This is rice. a little bit of uh, antibacterial for coronavirus. <laughs> That's how you feel about that one. <laughs> and then we moved on to 145 pounds where Spike Carlisle came in and got the finish over Alan Cruz. I had Cruz as a decision in here, but the Alpha Ginger is a little wild man in there. Let not that evil scream. Did you happen to catch that? Yeah, that was so crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Be a character in there. Uh, moving up to 100 and. Or moving down to 145 pounds was Carlisle. Maybe we, I was worried about him making weight. He didn't have any issues. Looked good at 145 and was able to again get them little ginger legs up there. Because head kick started off the ground and pound finish against Cruz. 
I still think Cruz can do all right in the UFC. Uh, it's just against another debuter. Oof, this doesn't look good, but he'll get another shot at least in there. What do you think Carlisle does moving forward? Uh, I like that kind of fight style. I think it'll go far in the UFC to winning a lot of fans regardless. Um, the Alpha Genja. And I heard, I, I can't remember what announcer it was, but they said, what did they say, he say his name was? The Ginger Ninja? And I'm like, no, but that's somebody we golden to you with. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, it's still too close to call. I don't care what happens to either guy going forward yet. Good too, point. Too early. Too Good early. point. Then we move on. Staying in the 145-pound division with Jordan Griffin coming in against TJ Brown. Submission guillotine choke. Round number two in a fight that I had TJ winning in a decision. I also had him winning those two rounds up until that submission came in. Jordan Griffin saying it's not a fluke. They've been training that. Guys think they're out of position or think that they're clear by getting over them hips in a guillotine choke. But he was sticking those hands in there in a unique ninja choke type of ways was Griffin on those takedowns. And uh, and so it was a guillotine they're saying it, from... Right. It wasn't side choke. They're saying it was a guillotine, but he Correct. was kind of on his side with the other guy laying between his body and the cage. Or kind of, like hunched over between his body oh, and the He cage. was just on top, TJ, which is weird. Yeah. A guy being on top getting submitted. Yeah. So, I was just trying to explain it for the people that didn't see it. <laughs> like, but, it was a hot mess. I did not make it better. <laughs> with that, um, I think they both look good striking. Griffin has got a little bit of power in there. And I don't know how long he's able to keep having... Um, I feel like it's not fluky. Well, it's kind of fluky. It's like a Von Flu choke. It's not going to happen. People are going to now know to be watch out for this choke, so it's not going to be as easy to get. I agree with you. Jordan Griffin was losing that entire fight until that moment, and I don't know about those kind of guys with the longevity of their career. We're actually going to be breaking down one of those guys later Absolutely. in the fight night, but it's... Um, I think we said the fight style. We actually called it out. Uh, Dan or Not Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig? Paul Craig. Paul Craig. It's the Paul Craig. The lucky Paul Craig. You yeah. lose the whole fight and then done. That's, That's Scottish how you get it luck. Done. So I don't know about those kind of guys. Um, yeah, if they're just newcomers, Griffin can beat some guys, but I don't see him going forward. I don't see him getting being a title contender as of yet, but he still has fights to win in the UFC at 145 pounds and is a fun addition. He can crack in there for sure, but take down the fence is abysmal. Then we moved on to a short notice replacement and Steve Garcia coming in against Luis Pena, having his whole family, extended family there, then making a big deal about it. Uh, I feel like I didn't have a bad play here with Steve Garcia. This went to unanimous decision. It was fairly one-sided, but... Steve Garcia with a full training camp, not on eight days notice, I think has better options in this fight. Pena is just one of these guys that... Wasn't Pena on short everyone's... notice though too? No, he had a fight set up with somebody who was five foot eight. Who was he? I can't think it off the top of my head here. I got it. It was Alex Munoz. Hmm. fell out with an injury so a five foot eight fighter compared to the six foot fighter which Pena has since talked about and said I really had to change my game plan but he just stayed in um what was that figure four around the waist for pretty much the entire fight allowing Garcia to even get some elbows and uppercut punches from the bottom but that's just the lack of Pena's ability to finish what fights is he finishing in the UFC they're all going to decision um, so the hype, I feel like, is 
just way too much on Pena. I was there at one point in time, but I like actually Garcia moving forward a whole lot more here. I think Garcia is going to be a fun, fun addition at 155 with his size and uh, still got a lot to do. He actually got that triangle where Pena said he almost he thought he was going to go out for a split second in that third round. So, I like Steve Garcia. I think he'll have a better chance of getting him as an underdog going forward, but I don't dis dislike Luis Pena. I don't know why. I just does he what's I it it seems like I would just guess that he's a isn't he an American top team now? I believe he did go over to American top team. Hmm. I don't know. Over I don't know what AKA. to say. I don't want to just be a hater. I know he was still trying to get down to 145. He's so long and lean. The whole skill set should be there. He looks like a cool dude. He's at the right camp now. I'm not fully off the violent Bob Ross bandwagon yet, but I do love Steve Garcia as an underdog going forward. But I feel like what's going to happen with Pena is he's going to be like a two to three to one favorite in other fights, and you're going to be like, okay, I got to make a play on the other guy because yeah. he shouldn't be that big of a favorite in many fights, in my opinion. But then we moved on to the heavyweight division where we had Marcin Tybura coming in over Sergi Spivak in a decision. This was a grind fest. I mean, I don't even remember watching most of it on it. I don't remember recalling most of it. Um, going back, it was just two heavyweights getting tired after that. Actually, in that second round, Spivak was throwing with power, but Tybura, I believe, also made that camp change. I don't know if it was the top team or um, somewhere else, but either way, for heavyweights, I just, I don't see title contenders out of either one of them. I don't, Boring. Yeah, I don't like what I saw. I, wasn't everyone booing? <laughs> Maybe in my brain. It was definitely one that, again, there's nothing to, nothing to take away from that one. We'll see them get anybody moving forward. Then we moved on to 185 pounds where we had Brendan Allen come in over Tom Breeze. This is somebody that I was completely fading in Tom Breeze. He's a striker versus a grappler. We knew what Allen wanted to do. He hunts for those takedowns because on the ground he had a big advantage. It ended up coming up TKO, ground and pound. I was thinking it would be submission. What do you take away from this? With, I feel like, again, Breeze quit once he got on the bottom, but... I don't know if that's just my biased eye. Um, I thought Brendan Allen would get the submission. I didn't think Tom, I did not like Tom Breeze from the time doing his picture to seeing him at weigh-ins. He looks off to me behind the eyes. Mm -hmm. Something is off there. Like, I hate to say this, but he gives me that Mayhem Miller vibe behind the eyes. Like, something seems off. And I don't know, but um, Brendan Allen, I'm... I'm kind of excited about anyone that has that kind of tattoo. It reminds me of my long lost Ponzinibbio. Um, <laughs> so I'll be pulling for Brendan Allen. Definitely a fun 185er to keep an eye on. Then we moved on to two 135ers that were fighting, debuting. Kyler Phillips winning a decision. I mean, also snooze fest. Silva took a beating from Phillips. Really got banged up in there even on the ground in that third round started to give up a lot of position to Silva but it was a valiant effort but uh, they're too so low on the card I'm surprised that they were in the spot they were fighting at the right before the main card because it was a pretty low-key type of a fight there they can fight anybody at 135 I don't like Gabriel Silva moving forward and I don't really like Phillips moving forward I think that 
Silva's I, the bottom of the barrel at 35. Must have timed. I literally, it's funny that this guy, Kyler Phillips, is nicknames The Matrix because I feel like I fell into one during this fight. I don't even recall a punch. It was a very forgettable <laughs> fight for sure. But it was uh, definitely not the best way to get into the main card. But once we got into the main card, it was a fun main card. Getting that fight pick championships in there. Having Latby well, show up deep. I don't know if we're allowed to do video clips on this. I don't know. I think there's time limits involved. I think there's time limits involved, but I think we could we'll figure it out. We'll look at the laws. You guys, we got some things going on. (laughs) We got some things in the works again for the YouTube audience. Everything will be the same for you podcasters, just so you know. Okay, sorry to interrupt. So with the main card, we started it off with Grant Dawson getting a rear naked choke over Derek Mina. In round number two, hoping it was going to be in round number one. But, I mean, Dawson just being easily the bigger favorite of the night for a reason. The way I'd say this is, Grant Dawson finishes Derek Miner in a major way on Saturday night. Is that corny? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I can see you working on them (laughs) sidelines. So, the favorite did exactly what he was supposed to do. Miner, at 45, he has plenty of fights ahead of him. Dawson, again, he starts to need to get ring competition, especially with the hype he has behind him. Miner just shouldn't be here, but I feel like uh, Skelly fell out, so Miner being taking that opportunity, unfortunately for him. It's going to be a tough road. Dawson still like as a young man. And that's how it goes for a couple of these fights. It's really interesting how the night plays out in this main event because then we go into Megan Anderson getting the performance of the night with a right cross finish over debuting Norma Dumont in there. I mean, you could see the levels. You could see just the setup that the UFC wanted. They were like, hey, let's just, let's get a highlight for this lady. Okay, let's also give her 50 grand. Okay, because the... Other, maybe more mommy looking lady, definitely got ass quality of a finish. <laughs> Didn't get no fitty grain. So, Anderson, it's still a layup. If they keep laying up shots, I don't think Anderson deserves any type of a title shot fighting a debuting fighter and knocking her out. That means it's nothing. Um, I was telling you right before we went on air, and I was like, let me just save it so air. I called Luke Thomas's Fight Nation this week, and uh, the question was, who gets Amanda Nunes next? And should it be Megan Anderson or Felicia Spencer? Of course, Felicia Spencer. How could you ever say Megan Anderson? She, th- Her two fights in the UFC are this lady who just got here in Kat Zingano with a weird eye thing. Where she poked her with her toe? Yeah. yeah. Like, come on. I'm sorry. I can't get down like that. And at least Felicia Spencer's made her way. I'm like, give the girl that least walk was in the, the ring with Cyborg, too. Decision with Cyborg. So, uh, and a little more threatening. I think if Felicia Spencer got uh, Amanda Nunes, that's the more threatening of the two fights because Amanda Nunes finds more comfort in her ground game. Absolutely. Uh, I just don't see what Megan Anderson does, and I don't know why Megan Anderson would want that fight right now. I don't know why that camp would want it for her. I agree. Fight a couple more bums. Yeah. Get that paycheck because every time you fight, it doubles and triples, especially if you're getting bonuses. Keep fighting these debuting ladies, but calling for the belt, you're just looking for another L quick. And you can't be Megan Anderson right now and looking at GDR and thinking your uh, takedown defense is better than GDR's. I just don't think you could be thinking that right now. GDR, Megan Anderson, who wins that fight? 
That's the next fight. That's the next 145 fight. G I got him. I got money on GDR and a Megan Anderson, Felicia Spencer, uh, Amanda Noons. That is a that's better matchmaking than even better on here. But sorry, Norma Dumont. Good luck again. But we'll probably watch her go to 135 now. Hundred percent. None of these girls ever stay at 145. Weird division. Absolutely crazy. 145 pounds. Felicia Spencer. She could be wearing the belt at 135. I think. We and I even said that her build. She could give Amanda Nunes a run for her money. I think at 135. She has 10 pounds to lose. She's definitely filling out that. And I'm not uh, saying anything about kit. her body. I just mean. She, I think she could do both. I think she, I liked Felicia Spencer a lot. Yeah, she's definitely a competitor in there. So with Anderson, again, don't buy the hype so much. Then we move on to 205 pounds where Magomed and Goliath came in and finished. Even though we both had a KO. Yeah. We're we like, knew what was happening. We, knew we exactly. could see what was happening. The only thing we did dump for her and uh, Homeboy was not picking uh, round one. Right, right, right. Not picking the early stoppage because mm -hmm. it was such a lopsided fight. In another lopsided fight, Ankalaev got it done over Ian Kutalaba in 43 seconds or 38 seconds. What I think the most telling thing about this fight and the ref specifically McDonald in there is that he's been doing such a great job that we didn't know his name to this point. He's been in there and we've never had to say his How name. How long has he been in there? few years. I think three or four years he's been now refing at UFC fights. So, McDonald's a pro. He's somebody we don't talk I about often. I would like to look at what other fights because so many times I'm like, what stupid fucking ref that I didn't happen to know their name that I've still talked shit of. I would like to know what <laughs> other weird fights that he's called. Who's that Janet lady? Um, okay, so for those of you that don't know, Kujalaba kind of uh, was playing possum a little in there, and it cost him the fight. Um, he didn't get. He got hit by probably a third to a quarter of the punches that were actually being thrown at him, but he looked all crazy wobbly, like he was doing that Anderson Silva yeah. thing, like, oh, I'm so oh, wasted. I'm, oh, you shot um, me. And he got the fight stopped yep. because of it, and... So he was playing the game. Dims are the breaks. I just am like, Kutalaba, maybe you're an actor. <laughs> yeah, the Hulk. He's already auditioning for the Hulk and they're being green back in the day. But as you were saying, playing the game, it's the same as um, if you don't understand whether the unified rules are implemented or not and whether one or two hands is counted down. So you put one hand down and two is legal. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you get knee in the face. You think you're playing the game. Yeah, you're playing the right game, yeah. and as you're saying, I kind of I'm talking shit, but I also you should be watching it as a ref in there, and I completely saw it. Um, but like, do you think that these guys actually facing off and having the underhooks and Kutalaba getting pushed into the fence and having the commission break them up, literally as Bruce Buffer's announcing them? Played into the, t the being called early because the ref was like, oh, oh. His blood Yeah, he was already like, oh, these guys are going to fight. <laughs> um, He's like, these guys are going to get fighted here. What's I happening? I know, and I don't want to judge them as much anymore because now I really put myself in their shoes. Like, I might have stopped that just as much. Like, well, he's... But, hey, let's let a person fall. Let's let a person take a knee. Like, let's let a person tap. I, like, whatever the... It, it, this is as similar as the, like, he didn't tap, though. He didn't tap. Like, and he wasn't asleep, though. So it kind of has to, it was an early stoppage. Absolutely early stoppage. Aren't they running there. this one back? They should, 38 seconds. They should run it back. They're both healthy. Absolutely. Nobody got hurt if they do, if they did this again in a month. Yeah, yeah put or it shorter. on a quick card, yeah. Absolutely. I should be seeing, we should be watching, we should be breaking it down this week. 
again. <laughs> <laughs> but then we move on to 145 pounds when we've essentially already broken this down because Farn is a non-factor in the division. She is a non-factor. Well, Farn is not winning anything. Well, kind of the same Felicia Spencer beating Farn is similar. It's a, yeah, it's Dumont. like a similar... Who exactly. wins, Farn or Dumont? Farn. <laughs> oh! Ouch. Ooh. Weird. Absolutely disgusting. I don't like that you asked me that question, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Spencer, we know what we want her to do with this big win. This was actually a late stoppage. Farn took an elbow where she went all doll face and was out, and then she got another elbow and woke up, and it was like, okay, stop the fight, ref. What I is like happening? I Spencer. I agree. I like her personality. I think she's right for the sport, and I think like that she's right for the division. She likes being at the 145. I think she's threatening there. I think she's a future champion. I liked her elbows. The fact that we saw her knock this girl out and she's not just a submission threat, that should be scary to anyone watching. Absolutely at 145. But the the weird division definitely has some growing pains oh, yeah. to go along in there. So as we're saying... Could you say Felicia Spencer laid the game plan for beating Chris Cyborg? Uh, I think Amanda <laughs> Nunes. I think Amanda Nunes laid that game plan. But there is definitely methods... Uh, in that madness that Spencer had in there. And uh, I agree. She's nothing but contender bound. And that's about it for her. And then we go <sighs> into the most controversial fight of all of these controversial divisions at 125 was pounds. Was this one controversial? Hell yeah. Figueredo missed by two and a half pounds. He was ineligible to fight for the belt. But he didn't get the belt. He did not get the belt. But now the division's in a twirl again. And Joe, I think they're, they're already talking about a rematch for them. They, they already are. Dana White's already officially confirmed it, talking about it. There was officially a headbutt in there. A lot of people are saying that. That is true, and it happened right before the knockout. It happened twice, but it was Joseph Benavides who was leading with his head. So it's kind of one of those situations like, well, you're the one who engaged. Um, but this ended up finishing in round number two. First round, I gave to Joseph Benavides, but... Figueredo started eating those shots and walking to him like a Terminator. Like, I'm 2.5 pounds heavier. You'll never defeat me. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it took. (laughs) And walked right through those punches. And it's one of those rules that I've been staying away from. And it keeps coming out right. Evil Twin tells me all the time. Oh, so you're betting on him, right? Because isn't one of your rules, if they miss weight, they're going to win? It happened again. And it happened Again. I bet on Figueredo more than I bet on Joey B. I picked Joey B but to win I, it, but I didn't make a bet on Joey B. I um, had Joey B, I think, on one of my DraftKings cards, but uh, I wish I would have changed out to that purposely for that rule. And I'll say it. it was I already had made my card, and it was a little like, oh, well. Oh, well. How, how bad is it going to be? Whew. Jeez. Jeez. And now after it happened, that's exactly what I said was going to happen on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Joey B is going to get knocked out. Oh, no. I just have a really big feeling that he's going to get knocked out really early. <sighs> you should always trust that gut. My brain was telling me like, oh, the the uh, the wrestling, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Oh, oh. Joey's B's body right away did not look great to me. Like, age just hit him he's, like a ton of bricks. Yep. Yeah, he's looking every bit of 36 in Hindsight. there. Hindsight. Do you want to see this again? I mean, if we see it again, it's going to be a 3-1 to one favorite for Garrido. Yeah. 
it's out of desperation that it's happening at all. I heard they're setting up um, Jan or uh, Peter Jan versus um, who's all mad and butthurt right now about this division. Oh wait, Peter Jan Marais is one thirty-five. Which yeah, this is yeah, twenty-five. This is one twenty-five. Uh, so. Some heavy hitters in there. I guess it was just Moreno. Moreno. Just Brandon Moreno. That's it. That's I who love deserves that. the shot next. If you see him figure eight over, it's Brandon Moreno. I like that fight. There's a few other guys in there at 125. I but know. It bums it, me out, Joey B, but I think does that's he, that. I think that's I don't think he gets the belt. No. Ever. No. And he's no. now went four in or Owen oh four in title fights. He's only contested once WEC, lost that, and then the three times he's now contested in the UFC. It's like, does anyone come back in the fourth try and get the belt? I don't think so. No, I think no. you were a contender. Great showing, my friend, but just but love on your sweet Megan O'Leary. Megan going around saying he's the champ, and, but you ain't, though. You ain't. But you ain't, though. Absolutely. And he can't. And did you hear that his... That'd uh, be like me jumping Joey Benavidez on an airplane tonight and saying I'm the champ. And yeah. hitting him with a 2.5-pound lock in a sock? No, just beating him up on an airplane. And they would be like, what? He was sleeping in his chair. How did you beat him up? And you're screaming you're the champ. What? I made up my own rules. Just like Figueredo's tried. So a lot of people not liking what Figueredo's saying. His announcer or his translator actually not translating the proper stuff because Figueredo apparently was saying, I won that fight. I know I won that fight. I'm the belt. And his translator being like, thank you for having me. <laughs> Funny shit. Yeah, damage control. So thank you for having. Me. <laughs> thank you. I love you, Norfolk. Norfolk. Yeah, and he's just like, I am the best of the best. Maga. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely a controversial loves fight Joe night. Biden. <laughs> Absolutely in there. He's like, what the hell are you saying? <laughs> Figueredo, Joseph Benavidez at 125. I don't want to see the rematch. I want Benavidez to step away. And as you're saying, probably Brandon Moreno get in there for that belt. That's a fun fight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that too, but I think we're going to get a horrible rematch because everyone wants to play ball with Joey B. Everyone wants to see that belt. Same as me, but I'd like Jim Miller to get a belt too. <laughs> All right. So into the Twitterverse we go. It's been pretty much leading up to UFC 248, which we are going to break down. But there is some of this backdoor stuff, some of this other things that we got to talk about. Fights being announced in there. Uh, just the controversial stance of the UFC right now in some of the coronavirus stuff. Ooh, what's happening? Um, I guess they're just showing tons of like, we support. Oh, wait, China you said it. Hold on. That's why I brought it. I knew it was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some? <laughs> Every time anyone says it. And I took antibacterial out of this and just put straight alcohol How in How did this. you find some in the shortage? Uh, straight alcohol is in this moonshine. Ooh. Because just so you know, a little tip. If you can't find anything to clean yourself with, you can get, what is it, over 100 proof alcohol and it will clean. So a little moonshine right in your mouth, right on your hands. It's really not moonshine. Can you imagine? <laughs> hey, I think that's a life hack, though. I think that's a life hack for sure in there. Clean hands. Every time Corona's brought up, that's going to be the new sound effect on the show. <laughs> okay, tell me about the UFC and Corona. 
uh, just their support for the victims, how they flew out a bunch of the fighters from China and actually being a part of it and trying to play a role and using just kind of some of their legal status in helping fighters. Nice. Hence the main co-main event that we're going to have in that breakdown later on with Wu and Wei the Jian. leech another also fighting that's on the where Wii i was like did card. you get the leech out <laughs> okay all right <laughs> as long as the leech is out we okay um yeah it's crazy days and i know everybody's thinking like oh it's an over panic and we don't want to get into this on the show but the other tip i have is a medical mask it just helps it so if you sneeze it doesn't help you from stop breathing in anything. Maybe try Home Depot, Lowe's, Particle Mask. Go buy, uh, what is the, Harbor Freight. Maybe uh, check the tool stores and you might be able to find something for carpentry. And that'll suit you better. I'm just saying. That's another little hack. Another little life hack in there. But to stay in <laughs> the vein of MMA, we got some fights that have been announced that have actually been pretty hyped. And then some other fun fight news that's coming up in the near future. But one of the fights is Islam Makhlchev coming in against Alexander Hernandez in Brooklyn, UFC 249, April 18th. Habib versus Tony. So, the... I need to take off work that day. The to... Dagestani contingency, though, has officially touched down in San Diego at AKA. If you've seen any I Am The Bay and other Twitter slash YouTube. I don't even work that stuff. day. I need to take off work around Absolutely. It. You better figure that. You better I'm, figure that. I need to out. fly to make sure I'm going to be the cable girl for... You're going to get a part-time job. Yeah, I know. I'm for free. I'm oh, that's right. I'm And I'm, I'm just going to move every right. cable out of Tony's way the right. whole time. Or I'll wheel him in a chair, or I'll get him one of those weird walker things with the brakes that has the seat flipped down on it. When you flying out? I'll drive there. So I'll take <laughs> off as much time as I need. And I mean, unless El Kukui wants to fly me out, but he just doesn't seem like that type. I'll even hold those weird bell balls that old ladies hold in their vagina that he plays <laughs> Those are orthopedic instruments. <laughs> <laughs> so those are medical instruments. But with the Mackelchel fight, as I was saying, I think I, old ladies use with the Kegel. <laughs> <laughs> Another little life hack right there. Another little life hack. You're welcome. Maybe Tony Ferguson uses them to Kegel. <laughs> Look into it. He's a that he's that type of guy. Yeah, I'll tell Tony you what. He's that type of guy. Of <laughs> so. Um, the doggy contingency making it to AKA having them. So they're getting ready for fight camp now. It being uh, in early March, fighting on the 18th. They're about a month out because they're going to be fighting again in Vegas. Is that I what I think it's Vegas. I'm positive. They're that big of a freaking. Or no, we just said it. It's in Brooklyn. Oh, New I York. Hate, I hate it. I hate, I hate that hate too. Already. I hate that too. It's going to be. Vampire stoppage. Herb Dean's going to come out of the rafters. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be an early stoppage on Tony Ferguson. He's going to get up and be like, what the fuck? And we're all going to be like, that's Tony. He wasn't even getting hurt. We're going to watch it in slow motion. He's going to be like, duck, duck, duck. Guard, guard, guard. Ooh. Yeah, I'm scared. You are. <laughs> I, I hate New York. So another fight, though, that we have booked for OKC. Officially the most ducked fighter of 2019. Ryan Hall coming in against Ricardo Lamas. In OKC, that's going to be a fun one. I'm excited for it where Lamas needs a big win not and has a great black belt jiu-jitsu game level. A lot of fun leverage. We're excited because we want to see Ryan Hall get beat. 
Lamas has that skill set. Because Lamas' yeah, chin like is the biggest issue. Lamas, and we're not worried about Ryan Hall taking a piece of that chin. Exactly. It's exactly good, in there. It's a good matchup for so, him. So, another one on there. We got Alonzo Menafield versus Devin Clark added to OKC. Eh, eh. We had a better one than that. But uh, either way, those are just some of the bookings we have as of late that have been tinging up. Another couple fun ones here and there that I'm sure I'm skipping on to. But any other Twitter verse topics that you can think of? Hmm, we're not going to talk about the Coronas. Uh, Twitterers. No, I was going to ask you, have you watched the Embedded yet? I have only gotten into two of them. I think the third one just popped out before we started this. I haven't watched any of them yet, so nothing huge going on that. We're going to break down the fight card, yes. I was in the Embedded, but we will break it down eventually, and this fight card is going to be just the Izzy got in on Monday. To Vegas from New Zealand. Huh. Yeah. So that just huh. seems. But he says he's okay. He's a young man. So we'll see in there. Huh. We'll see. But that'll come up eventually as we get into that breakdown as far as the embeddeds are concerned. The only thing. Yeah. That so there hasn't been any other MMA feuds. Nothing going on on Ariel. Uh, I think if you want to catch Chaney on Luke Thomas' show, you know where to get at it. Yeah. You can listen to that hot five seconds on Fight Nation on uh, Sirius XM. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that might be it, unless we should just get into the business. Sounds like the business. And as always, we would love it if you hit the bell, hit the like, hit the subscribe, leave a five-star rating or a comment or tell a friend, and you can find us each and every day at LATV underscore MMA on Twitter and Instagram and to find Emmanuel and his puestas and his bets and maybe somebody fat swinging off of a tire swinging into a water and landing like not in the water uh, you can go to Adzol tonight and to find me and maybe something about Jeffrey Epstein or Q or the coronavirus hold on you can go to at week neck baby and back to ufc 248 breakdown it's lappy we gonna win fpc five pick championship i forgot to congratulate who won last week ricky no dar smoke dar smoke got 80 points yeah then ricky then you and i tied for third or somebody beat us I think someone got us and we got fourth. We, we got tied, tied for fourth. fourth. After again, <laughs> your boy has been suppressed over here. And that's another reason you guys have to make sure. I don't know everyone off the top of my head that's in the Fight Pick Championship. And we talk about them and we love them all for different reasons. But we do correspond with them and try to shout them out on our platform. So if you are liking and subscribing, you can find the Marks and Juice and Ray Omaplata and World Winning Federation and Backlog and us and that's it that is it. all right so you know what we're here for to break down the pay-per-view <laughs> you know UFC. what i like that you, sam dribbley does on his podcast that i'm like oh if you would have done that i totally would have he's like you know what i who i am you know what i'm here to do i'm here to rock <laughs> <laughs> why are you stuttering, why are you stuttering? <laughs> so for ufc two for a pay-per-view in Vegas. It's going to be a 12-card bout. You know how we always do. It's headlined by Israel Adesanya versus Yoel, Soldier of God, Romero, co-headline 
I love you. No gay Jesus. Everybody loves gay Jesus <laughs> against JJ. It's gonna be one for the ages, but we always start from the bottom to the top, and it's gonna start off with Guido Canetti coming in against Dana Bagriel. Bagriel coming in the UFC. Have they already losing. changed these since they first came out, or has this always been the first fight of the night? Uh, I feel like this has been the first fight of the night huh. for a little while now, officially. Huh. Well, so and a ton of fights fell off this card. But. Absolutely, we had Cannonier versus Whitaker fall off because of the supposed bone marrow issue that wasn't it. It's just family issues. Jeremy Stevens' guitar fell off of this at 145 pounds as well. Oh, Brunson Shabazian got rescheduled to Portland, Oregon. Oh, woo! That evil twin is lucky. Absolutely, and then we have some actual fights being affected in Evolev versus Andrade. Andrade pulling out Evolev. Well, Jessica Andrade lost her last fight. <laughs> oh, Douglas Andrade. Douglas, Douglas the Andrade. <laughs> Um, but then Evolev then falling out after he gets a short notice replacement in Jala Jamal Emmers due to a bicycle motorcycle accident. Uh, well, you shouldn't even be allowed on a motorcycle if you're in the UFC. <laughs> it's in their contracts. I feel like like when they win the Harley Davidson from the Tough House, it's like written in their clause that they can't ride it until they're after they're done fighting. That's probably why I think it is. You've told me that before, and it's happened. Like dudes have already been. Uh, another one, Strickland, Sean Strickland, one of those guys on a bike, turned up knee, hasn't fought since. So. Don't ride a motorcycle. But going back, all the way back to these fights, Kennedy coming in against Begriel. We always tell you guys to stay away from these. This is going to be a really close one. Kennedy's been able to actually show with his advanced age now, being 48-4, and four, winning one, losing one now for a while in the UFC, being a part of that tough house. Good all-around game. All right, submissions. Little bit of power. His cardio was always lacking. He seems to have kind of gotten that better. But at 40 years old, at this light of a weight class, just waiting for that big drop off didn't like what i saw on tape from bagriel he's a grinder stays in there will use some wrestling is a straight puncher but he just seems a little slow but when he lands he lands with a little bit of power in there tends to get more decisions big fat stay away i'm not gonna play it anywhere on DraftKings. it just doesn't make sense but this is gonna be uh a Kennedy fight for me in a decision I could wake up and go the other way big fat stay away I don't like this fight I totally agree it's a big stay away for me I too have Kennedy keep in mind I really don't remember the last time I got a first fight of the night right <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell everyone I almost feel like betting against me the last like six or seven times would have uh been good but I stay away from these but I like the Kennedy decision I think he's gonna slowly outwork him and Kennedy even though he's a low rank UFC guy he's still a rank UFC guy in a way to me that I never have seen bad girl as yet so give me Kennedy decision big fat stay away 8,200 for the slight favorite in Bagrio on DraftKings Against Kennedy's 8,000 even. Again, no DraftKings play in that one at all. It just would not make sense. As far as the betting lines, though, you're going to end up paying if you want to even play. doesn't even matter because we're like, stay away from these. You're going to end up a messing little bit, it up. The name, like, too bad. If that was a woman's last name, her nickname should be Batgirl. But, <laughs> I could see that. Batgirl. But the Bad favorite. Batgirl, Batgirl. Batgirl. <laughs> Sorry. Minus 145, Bad Grill and against Canoli Kennedy. Kennedy's the one that I love as a nickname. Guido in there, even Kennedy though it's like Spaghetti without. would be better. <laughs> That's definitely, yep. 
That makes sense. That makes I like that one Spaghetti a lot. Spaghetti versus Batgirl, boom. Best part of boom. that fight so far. Then we move on to 145 pounds where we have short notice replacement, Jamal Emmers replacing Evelev after that DeAndrage fight and all that stuff. And then Giga Jigatsi stepping in for Evelev on about a week and a half's notice, huh. fighting out of what is that the king's mma so he's training with gastelum over in la being a glory kickboxer winning a split decision in a debut against brandon davis who's also a known striker in there but the lack of takedowns or the takedown defense for chikatsi i think is a real issue because he is a high level striker in there and if he can keep it striking he's going to give people a lot of fits in there but uh this is an mma fight so now that he's fighting much higher competition than Brandon Davis, somebody who's notoriously had tough getting people down. Jamal Emmers having three weeks notice, a little more time to get in there, but he has one fights over. Alexander Hernandez, the standout Chris Avila from that 209 team, and then a little young man named Corey Sanhagen. Only win over Corey Sanhagen in a decision wow. about three years ago. So Sanhagen has definitely grown leaps and bounds where Emmers has kept a lot of the same game. He throws a lot of leg kicks in there. Uh, just saw him be in some title contentions. I even watched him go into a five rounds a couple times. So Emmers can keep a pace for five rounds and he uses a lot of grappling. But when he's not, when he's striking, he uses that outside right leg kick and in his most recent fight, he was throwing one and two punch combinations and losing those exchanges. And only once he got to the ground was he able to submit with a triangle choke. So as far as Emmers, he has more ways to finish this fight where Jagatzi has to fight that takedown off and then uh, keep it striking where he is going to be the better guy there. What I don't like in the takedowns for Emmers is that he muscles them. He likes to go to that tight waist, lift you up, and then uh, pull your legs out from under you. And if I watch that on tape, Jagatzi's team's watching that, even if it's on eight days. The other takedown that Emmers does a lot is an outside knee pick where most guys just do it to fake it out. Emmers holds on and muscles you to the ground. Works in the first round. And he's gotten it to work in the third, but he, I feel like he, even though he has a good gas tank and it's we've seen it before, it won't work eventually the higher it gets up in the UFC. Give me Emmers in a decision. It's going to be a close one. If Jagatzi keep it striking, it could be knockout his way right now. Super close fight. I don't know how exposed I'm going to be on DraftKings because they're just two new uh, fighters. Who do you have in here? I agree with why? you. Always with the pay-per-view, I usually tend to bet heavier as it goes closer to the top, and that seems to pay off more for me. Uh, I even think the judges, uh, what I'm realizing, significant strikes always matters to the favorite guy more. Whoever the favorited guy is to win gets the more significant strikes. My favorite one of the UFC stats. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick Emmer's decision here. I think the takedowns and the muscling are going to matter. Um, I think Chikese is only going to be able to fight him off so long because they are... It's just power and power alone that's doing it. I think he's going to figure out how to submit him by somewhere in round two. It's too short of a notice for a guy like Chikese. Um to not because wasn't he he was going up against the stand-up guy before Chikatsi was no he came in short notice on eight days Emmers was going to go up against a oh. wrestler in Evelyn oh, that's okay. what I'm saying before all, all this is I know crazy, so many names that change crazy changes in this fight give so. me Emmers submission round two I'm going to stay far far away from it 
on DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the slight favorite in Emmers, minus 175, 8,500 on DraftKings against Giga Gigazzi's. 7,700 plus 155 underdog. I don't think it's crazy to have a stab at Jakatsi in there by a finish specifically because that's the pretty much the only way he gets it done. But other than that, nah. I got Emmer's nice. decision staying away on DraftKings. But then we move to 115 pounds where we have Emily Whitmire coming in against Paulina Vienna. The 10 and 4 fighter is coming off of a three fight losing streak. Is um, who is it in there? Vienna, last losing to fighters like Cyphers, Veronica Macedo as of late six months ago, submission. So Vienna is the what? She doesn't have the nickname. I was thinking she was the violence queen. No, Polly. They both have shit nicknames. Absolutely garbage nickname in Polly here. But she's been able to get out-volumed in there. She does have a submission win. She's got, well, four fights in there. She... On the ground, though, she has been submitted. She's just somebody who hasn't grown much. I didn't like the tape I saw. This is a really close fight, but that's because Whitmire doesn't have that good of striking. Likes to get it to the ground, but she's a front runner. And even on the Tough House, I feel like uh, Eddie Alvarez was saying it, and it was it's proven time and time again. Like if she doesn't if she doesn't get you out of there in submission round number one, she has a really hard fight ahead of her as far as just her own mental status in there. So. Whitmire is a scary play here. This fight is a scary play for all the wrong reasons, but I give a big ground advantage to Whitmire on the ground. Vienna has a striking advantage. Ugh, this is a coin flip. Absolutely gross. I'm going to go with Whitmire. I thought I was going to go decision. I'm going to go submission round number two. Maybe I'm going to move that to round number one. I'm going round Vienna will lay more strikes. Whitmire will have more control time. And uh, Pollyanna does not have the cajones to get a Hillsborough girl out of there. Are you kidding me? A girl from Hillsborough? <laughs> her daddy beat her like that. <laughs> um, that ain't even funny nowadays. <laughs> um, I went back and forth on this. I had Whitmire when you started talking, and then I changed it to Vienna Decision. Um I think Vienna is so exploitable as far as any kind of takedowns and submissions are concerned. If Whitmire even just figures out how to get one comfortably, even if it takes her three, four attempts, she's going to do it the second round, which I don't know if Pollyanna is going to get up from. I just picture more control time, obviously, with Whitmire, maybe some ground and pound, but I don't see a lot of strikes thrown either way. Third round, I could see Pollyanna keeping it on her feet because Whitmire not having the steam to kind of get it down any longer. And that third round with the more strikes is ekes out an ugly. This is a dirty split if I ever seen one. I'm going beyond a decision right now, but I could I could see myself switching to Whitmire. We know dirty splits here at Latvi. We are all about a good dirty split. So you go on a run. That's my kind of split. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go with DraftKings in this coin flip of a fight. It is minus 115, Pollyanna Vienna, slight favorite, 8,100 against Emily Whitmire's 8,100 minus 105. Dirty, dirty split on the way. I'm going to stay away stay from it on DraftKings. It's going to be low scoring. If, if I play someone, it would be Whitmire, but 10%. But... 
a lot of stayaways so far on the night. Yep. We got to be playing these. This is how this fight early. people were talking shit about this fight card, and I actually think it's this next fight, and then it's just. Beast Slay. after beast after Slay. beast after beast Slay. after beast. Slay. It's a slow Slay. start. It's one that it's like if you had to go out to dinner, if you had some errands to still run, if you still had to go to the grocery store, put the kids to bed. Perfect. I don't think you're going to freaking even remember that you missed those fights once we get toward the end of the night. It, it gets so heavy the later we go on. Speaking of heavy, Darian Wynn coming in at 185 pounds against Gerald Mearshart. Win missing weight for the first time in his career, his last fight. So the stout fighter in there at five foot six is definitely uh, has issues getting to the cage already. He's already talked about in this fight the six and one losing his fight against Darren Stewart, which I got right. It was one of the few times that that had weight. That didn't play a role how we were saying earlier. Darian Wynn still losing a close one in there. But against Mirchart here, uh, I don't know if the size is going to be that big of an issue. The 30 and 12 Mirchart's coming off of a split decision loss to Eric Anders prior to that beating Trevin Giles in a submission. Also losing a split decision to Holland. Mirchart is one of these guys who is known to shart the bed a few times. It's <laughs> he's definitely uh, been poking at Darian Wynn on Twitter, posting up memes and like little Twitter DC things, trying to get some like external stuff going. And uh, Wynn has been noticing it, but trying to keep it professional. So some external standards going in there. DC Daniel Cormier is going to be calling the night. Oh, you know he's going to be cheating you guys. Like. What Darren Wynn needs to do right now is reach his arm around and grab behind Mearshart's neck instead of over his arm because he's really just putting himself in a... That kind of shit pisses me right off. But you guys already know that. Go on. Sorry. I totally agree. <laughs> but that's what I'm making. I am saying that as well. It's just a factor that we've seen with DC before that he has coached people in the cage. So it's his boy in there. But even then, um, Wynn just being uh, mindful of that. Should let you know about the young man being the co-head coach for that Gilroy wrestling team. Again, I am the bay getting you in. He's wrestling with all the doggies his win in there, taking his weight cut seriously. Mearshart, though, gives up the top game because he feels like he can sweep a lot of people. And I'm sure it happens at a lot of other camps and stuff, but it's just not been happening. When he gets stuck on his back in the UFC, he ends up staying there. That's when it's close. Uh, the output as far as strikes and the more linear strikes is Gary and Wynn. He throws a lot more strikes even though he's gassed in both of his fights. Which is something that uh, in that fight of the night against Eric... Who was it? Freaking... Ah, what's his name? Eric Anders? No. <laughs> Eric Spicely. He, uh... He, it was just a brawl, but it was because they were so gassed. When taking a lot of shots. A lot more shots than I liked when I really uh, went back and watched that. But Mershart is just not that type of striker. But he does throw with power. I'm going to go decision win. I had Mershart decision. But... Uh, Darian Wynn talking about all of the daggies coming in recently and getting his wrestling chops up to par. I'm like, Makachev can't get that neck. If these DC Daniel Cormier can't get that neck, I don't know if Mershart can. Give me a decision in this one. I see it being kind of a low score as far as DraftKings. What do you think about it? I'm going completely the other way. Uh, Darren Wynn's kind of been a non-performer to me. And the guys that Mearshart's getting murked by are guys that are top level of the division. Uh 
going, he took some heavy hits from Anders that I didn't think he was going to be able to take, and that was a really close decision. I think he is the better cardio here. Darren Wynn, how dare you even bring up Eric Spicely as if that's a UFC caliber opponent. And people can talk shit about Gerald, but I could even see a late submission on Gerald Mearshart. I think one too many attempts at a takedown and a short little guy like Darren Wynn is going to get swooped right up by a big Mearshart motherfucker. Give me a Mearshart by a nasty split. I too agree. Low scoring, maybe boring, uh, a lot of con- ground think, control. Yeah. For one or the other. Yeah, and it might even be weird kind of stuff, which a lot of people with the Tony could be like, you might see Darren Wynn on the top the whole time, but more damage might be being laid by Mearshart. I think um, he has decent wrestling here, and once some guy even shows the smallest amount of wrestling chops against Wynn, it's like he turns off or something. It's weird to me. Or any kind of wrestling takedowns. Or maybe it just takes everything out of him in that first round, and then it's over. Mm. Definitely an interesting AKA one in there. AKA had been showing up. They ain't been doing shit. I'm talking shit about AKA. <laughs> so... And everyone knows I love Gerald Marichart for some reason. Absolutely. He's, one of my He's weird... been one of yours for a long time. It's that, it's that uh, meatballs that always gets you. I know. I like the meatball eyes. The meatballs on that Marichart, face. Stop looking at me with your meatball eyes. <laughs> Kitty spaghetti. On DraftKings, the slight favorite, minus 145. Darian Wynn coming in at 8,300 against Gerald Marichart, 7,900. <laughs> Plus 125 underdog for you. Do you think you're going to be playing that yes, with submission? I will be playing him one or two. I have decision, uh, but I could see him finishing it late. I do not see win. Best case for Darian, Darren Wynn, um, same nasty two-round split decision. You know, where it's like two judges have it 29-28, the other judges has it 30-27, and we're like, what? <laughs> no one had 30-27. So, yeah. Absolutely. Weird it's going to be... It's going to be a dirty one in there. I'm going to probably end up steering clear of it. Then we move on to profile fight at 185 pounds, staying in the division, the 6-0 perfect Rodolfo Vieira coming in against Zaporvek Zafarov. Zafarov being 9-2, only losing in the UFC, but getting wins over people like Gian Vellante in there uh, outside of the UFC, losing to who was it? Uh, Tyson Pedro in a submission armbar. Did he lose the freaking Volante as well? That is he lost a Jean Volante KO oh and Tyson Pedro God. submission. And, and then, then he, he last beat Nick Mugamelton. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> and I was going to call you racist. <laughs> so, a non-confactor in here. But, um, I mean, if Tyson Pray if Safarov, absolutely, at 33 years old, there's no way Safarov. He's got one of them Russian passports. He's 43 years old. He's older than Yo Romero by far. So I feel like Vieira is the biggest favorite of the night for a reason at minus 750. And it's because on the ground, he is a ultra high level black belt. We've been expecting him That's to do good That's a great nickname. The Black Belt Hunter? Because he mercs that many black belts. That's an awesome, yeah. frightening nickname. Great single leg. Has some striking power in his striking. Has a couple knockouts in there, but he's constantly hunting. And when he gets on top, he really does his best work. Arm triangles. He he really has a well-rounded ground game. So I got submission. Round number one. I could move it to round number two. I'm going to go round number one because I'm learning my lesson. I keep picking two. Give me round number one for Vieira. Biggest favorite of the night. 
on here. Right there with you. I don't even have anything to add. It's such a big favorite. Uh, what, 800 favorite or some craziness? Mine is 750. 9,300 on DraftKings for Vieira. Safarov comes in at 6,900. One of the biggest favorites on the night. Play him where you can afford him. Definitely, I think... Especially as many stayaways, he's one of those guys I'm going to be putting in that maybe linchpin status for Vieira. I can see it. So, then we move on to 155 pounds, where we have Mark O'Madzin coming in against Austin Hubbard, 11-3. Austin Hubbard getting a win in there as of late to Kyle Propolek in a decision. Prior to that, losing to Davi Ramos in a decision. Being an LFA standout, he's got a lot of decisions, a couple knockouts in there, but... Doesn't really blow you out of the water. Has a good gas tank. Good left hand on him. Orthodox fighter is Hubbard. Good wrestling um, on the ground. If he's on top, he does his best work. But it's going to be hard to look good against the Olympic standout medalist as well, I feel like. Uh, Marco Madsen, I think showing up twice to the Olympics over there. But showing off his hands, being a perfect 9-0 out of Denmark. Last beating, Bellardo in a TKO. A lot of people thought it was going to be... Maybe I. Maybe not a lot of people. Yeah. Maybe I thought it was going to be a submission uh, because he does have a lot of guillotine he submissions Felicia in there. He Felicia Spencer us. Absolutely. Where he has been training, though, with Darren Till. A lot of those guys been going to good camps. Like, he, even though he's a little bit older at 35 years old, he's been a high-level performer. But Bernardo in there, definitely not even Austin Hubbard level. And Hubbard would take care of Bernardo pretty easily as well. But here, uh, I feel like... The way Hubbard fights is he usually tries to get you up on the cage, grind you out. He's not specifically the best striker either. And Matson showed some really clean striking on top of naturally having the grappling advantage. I feel like it's tits up for Hubbard. Give me Marco Madsen in a decision. I could even see a TKO round three ground and pound wow. stoppage. Madsen. I actually think this is going to be a far harder fight. I think Marco Madsen, I think he is obviously the Olympian, but I think a lot of it's been hype and he's kind of had set up fights this whole time. Austin Hubbard's been grinding his way through real fights and is fighting at elevation, which seems to be one of the fight teams that keeps turning out. I love Austin as a sneaky underdog here. Um, you know what? I'm going to pick him. It's the preliminary card. I ain't got nothing to lose. He's such a huge underdog. And yep. I love Marco Madsen, but I, his first fight in the UFC, obviously super impressive, but Bellardo is not even close to the level of Austin Hubbard. I think Austin Hubbard is a real legit um, grinder. Yeah, and kind of contender for the division. I really like what I saw from him. I think he's at the right age. I think he's at the right camp. Uh, I, I he doesn't scare me at weight cuts. Uh, I like his reach. Team elevation, as you're saying, great yeah. camp, great yeah, camp to so come out of. I'm gonna eke out a Hubbard decision here, and I I could see obviously the New York Commission, and this is. Uh, Marco Matson, but they aren't doing him any favors here, so this is not a setup fight. I think this is going to be a weirder grind than people think. Obviously, it is an Olympian, but we see things change with MMA, and the last one was a setup fight. If I'm wrong, I think it was in Denmark. Like, such a setup fight for this guy. So, uh, give me Hubbard, eking out a decision here. Um, I just, Matson hasn't really, I don't quite want to get on the hype train yet. It hasn't. I need to see some UFC caliber guys, and an easy win over Hubbard will do that for me. So until he's on my FPCs, I'm gonna uh, have a little leniency with saying Hubbard decision. On DraftKings minus two twenty five favorite Matson coming in at nine thousand even against Hubbard seven thousand two hundred. 
plus 185 underdog. Big underdog you're taking there. I am going to decision and for 9,000, as you're saying, I I think you're right. The line is a little bit wide here and it's because he had a big showing against the nobody in there. Even I'm saying Hubbard's by far the highest competition that uh, yeah, yeah. Matson's fought in there. So I think a decision, I'm going to back off to that. And as far as DraftKings, I kind of like what you're saying. I and think I Hubbard's even love that there. Madsen had that KO in his first round in his last he's gonna fight be overplayed. in his hometown. He's not only going to be overplayed, but what do we always say about grinders? That they get a hot knockout. They fall in love with their hands. So he's going to try to stand with Hubbard, who's going to have far better hands than Madsen in this. Um, I even like the grind getting. If Madsen can't get him down right away, I like Hubbard's uh, clinch better. So I don't know. I like this fight. I like this fight more than I don't think it should be so far apart i think you're right on that one then we move on to the headlining preliminary bout of the night in burr, 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 burr. sean sugar shan sugar sean o'malley coming in against jose alberto quinones teco coming in here at eight and three against the perfect 10 and oh o'malley o'malley's been out for two years for all of the wrong reasons, popping multiple times for Pico grams, weed, and all sorts of other good stuff. The commission backing off of a lot of that weed stuff. Sugar Shane, though, staying active, openly talking about it. He actually has Twitch sponsorships and weed sponsorships that are paying him way more than fighting. So he's doing this um, as something that he really enjoys, which is a really great position. And this fight has already been rescheduled multiple times. Instead of both fighters going both ways, they're like, hey, let's keep that fight. I feel like the O'Malley camp is like, we see something in Quinones's uh, fight style. The 8-3 and three fighter has won four out of his five fights in the UFC, only losing in a submission to Nathaniel Wood, one of your boyfriends. Mm -hmm. But last beating mm -hmm. Hachin in there, uh, Isihara and Diego Rivas in there, but... Quinones has good boxing, a great gas tank, usually trains at elevation. He is at Alliance, but I know goes to Mexico. His boxing, although it's clean, he does eat a lot of damage, Quinones. I love his mustache game, but it's just sometimes that beard gets tested a little too much, and the higher he goes up in competition, the worse it's going to get for him. But the heart's there for Quinones, but he's essentially a boxer anti-grappler he doesn't want to get to the ground when he gets to the ground Quinones has shown that he can get back up but he's not really a big threat on the ground he definitely wants to keep it striking and it's more of that volume game if Quinones finishes you it's not a one hitter quitter it's that wear your gas tank out where we've seen the limited footage of Sean O'Malley in here coming off of the contender series getting high level knockouts on LFA getting the spinning kicks He's had two years off. He has been grappling, winning grappling matches, getting his purple belt, uh, being actually very active on top of all of that other social media stuff. Out of the lab, his striking is going to be just more awkward. The gas tank, I think Quinones can push it there. But if it gets to the ground, even if O'Malley's on the bottom, I feel like he has such a big advantage that this is a setup fight. I did have decision, but the more and more I'm thinking about it, I think it's actually going to be a decision, even though I hate the fight IQ, or maybe not the fight IQ, but the brittleness of O'Malley, because remember that ankle, so Hamthath yeah. ankle, and just like... But it didn't end up being broken, right? It was a stinger, right? Uh, I think there might have been like enough fracture to the outside, oh, but maybe. he was saying that he's broken his feet multiple times because he kicks so much, but he has had two years to fully heal. 
Yeah. Fully, fully. He might be one of those guys that we see that takes fight once every two and a half, two years, one and a half years, and it pay off. We're noticing the guys that are taking heel times in between. Uh, this fight is no favors for O'Malley, in my opinion, coming in. Um, it's almost hand-picked so that it'll stay on the feet. Sugar Sean has some good hands, and Keonia's, I kind of like him crawling up the division. I, I thought this was weird when I first saw it. Um, the ground game, I don't even know what to expect from Sugar, but I expect it to be better than Keonia's because we never, he wants to keep it striking in every way possible. Hmm. I wanna. I can't confirm this, but I wanna say Quinones has had training sessions over at Ten Planet, and Eddie's talked about him before. Like, oh yeah, that's a good guy. But I don't think he stays there. He just maybe goes every once in a while. My favorite win for Sugar is um, Terry and Ware. Tougher. Um, go South Southampton. Eh, at this point, this is by far his hardest fight coming back. I don't really, I'm not a subscriber to the ring rust so much anymore, so I do, don't do mind the healing time. The only problem is at this young age, it wasn't because of his decision. Like, he was going to take time off. <sighs> I like Alliance where Keonia's is at, but there's a tape studying camp, and Sugar hasn't given us a bunch of tape in the last few years, so... I'm guessing that both guys are keeping the fight because Keonias thinks he saw something in some old tape two years ago and Sugar has just been getting better and better and better and better. Give me O'Malley. Give me O'Malley by decision. I think this is going to be a great war. I think both guys are going to go back and forth. Keonias is going to at least win one round. And uh, I think we see it go to the ground for only like a half a round of the whole fight. Other than that, it'll stay on the feet. I like it. I like it. Interesting. I like your breakdown in there. It is going to be a close one. I'm going to go submission round number two when it's all said and done. I feel like you can get it there eventually because of just some fun tape stuff in there. O'Malley 9,100 on DraftKings being the decided favorite at minus 365 against Quinones is... 7,100. What's O'Malley's average points? He must he must lay a lot of hands. 92.5 points. So you're going to, I mean, he has to, he's going to break even to just get your money back on that. But, and Quinones averages 74 points with a 71 score. O'Malley's Gosh, the play out of either yeah, guy. Yeah, I like both guys though. Yeah. For their scores. Right, right, right. But with a loss, you don't get them 30 points. I also like the finish potential for O'Malley. And then we get into the Fight Pick Championships, also known as the pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, yeah, for you other people. For everybody else, Are where we, it matters. Is this a pay-per-view worthy for us? Um, and by that, I mean, do we're, of course, going to watch it. Do we watch it for free somewhere, or do we purchase this one? The amount of antiseptic that I've been buying lately, I can't afford it. So I'm, I'm gonna, gonna be real with you. I'm <laughs> glad you said that because there I've is been, a couple fights that excite me on this. Um, but overall, uh, I I am still okay with saving up for that. <sighs> be Tony. Absolutely. <laughs> We're not far away Happy from that. Tony. <laughs> like, Happy Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so, the pay-per-view starts off hot with a 170-card bout at 
with Alex Oliveira and Max Griffin brain farting in there. This is a fun, sneaky, sneaky fight. Max Griffin being 15 and 7 in there, coming off of a loss to Alex Morono in a decision prior to that, beating Imadaev, getting a couple other losses, split decision to Alves, which he absolutely won that fight. Melender, but we've seen him beat Mike Perry in Florida. We were actually at that fight where Griffin comes in with a good game plan. Didn't we see both these guys beat Mike Perry in Florida? <laughs> Mike Perry might have won the second one. He beat Oliveira. He beat Oliveira. Yeah, but it was in Florida. And I, my, maybe the different same fight year. card. Different fight card. <laughs> the same year. Right. So Davis can come in and he does have big power, but he's been showing that he just sits back. His output. And Alex Oliveira just booked Portland, too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's that kind of fighter. He is that kind of fighter. Um, but either way, in here, Griffin. Can wrestle when he needs to get takedowns in there. His gas tank at times has been the one thing that faltered, but it was really only against Colby Covington in here. Officially, the output goes to Griffin with four point four strikes landed mm -hmm. compared to the or four strikes thrown compared to the two to three that Oliveira is. But Oliveira, you know how we we are with that Alex Oliveira. He's one of them cheating mofos. He will poke you in the eye. Kick you in the dick. Do everything you need to do in there to get you out of there. He's on a three-fight losing streak. This could be his paper. I, I don't think so. Just because he is one of those guys. Exciting. It's, it's arguable that he wouldn't be... I understand he's not a draw the same, but he's the same type of fighter. He's a BMF. Like, he's a guy, like, regardless... He is a perfect guy to fill in any main card. He is wild he's always exciting he makes fighters that we think are normally boring fighters he does something crazy in there oh absolutely he should be showtime cowboy he's like a mix of the two I absolutely love Alex Oliveira. if i mean it's i don't love the better him so much because he has been so spotty for a while if we were to use mma math that doesn't work he does that whole kuta lava shit but all it's the for time real. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets hurt in fights in there Absolutely, but uh, I feel like Griffin can get where he wants to in here. I'm going to go decision with Griffin for my five-pick championship. This is a close one. It's a fun one. You uh, get, I, I like what you're saying with Oliveira. He's such a wild card in there that you always got to take a stab at him. He can always throw a flying knee or a dick kick from hell, and it changes the dynamic of the fight. And he was like, whatever, I'm dancing. Like, he doesn't care. He's willing to go in there. He'll weigh heavy. He'll kick him in the dick, Absolutely. poke him in the eye, grab the cage, and he'll do them all just enough to just get warnings. He won't lose any points. He'll win in some sketchy way. The fight will get broken up, and then he'll kick you in the dick. It's like, what is happening? He, uh, I like what you're saying. Alex Griffin totally can win this decision and should kind of be able to. As much as I love Alex Oliveira, and he does kooky shit, He's so crazy, and he does not wear the punches well anymore. His body seems softer, so you're just waiting for one crazy shot. Uh, it's not really great in the clinch, which we know Griffin excels there. The problem with Griffin is he 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 holds somebody where he might have control the whole time, but doesn't lay damage. Right. So when he's getting the he almost he, Eric or Max Griffin fights exactly how I fight on the UFC game. <laughs> and I never win because I might get nine takedowns, but I didn't zero damage with it. Um, and so even control time might be higher, but they're like, how could we not give it to this other guy who really beat the shit out of you the whole time on your feet? 
<sighs> Give me Eric or Max Griffin decision. Underdog, another one plus one twenty. I don't understand how he's the underdog. I agree with that. I don't understand how he's the underdog in this fight. So I'm surprised when I see underdog markings on that. But all over the place, we got. I mean, Oliveira being the favorite. Everyone's picking him, and it's gonna be eight thousand four hundred for the plus. Ew! Or for it feels the minus. weird that this is on our real fight pick championship. Minus one forty five favorite Oliveira against plus one twenty five Max Griffin. Ow. You got to go against the grain sometimes. I know. Got to go against the grain. I know. I'll, this is... I wonder what Alpha's picking right now. Ooh. <laughs> looking into the eye of a madman. No, Sometimes I've been putting out my cards for the last few weeks, and I'm like, floored. What I need to do next week is pretty much lay our cards and bet on that. Because we're so similar, and it's so... And we had external circumstances going on. I was surprised that we picked the same cards last week. And both of us changed from changed. on air. And yeah. then we ended up with the exact same card. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. So, either way, that's a grindy one. Then we go into one that's a little more decided at 170 pounds. We have Neil Magny coming in against Li Jin Liang. The leech himself coming in here. He made it. He did make it. Made it through he customs. Made it. made it. You don't need the... <laughs> Oh, maybe you do need the <laughs> Corona spray. <laughs> so, Ji Liang is willing to do what it takes. If we're telling you that Alex Oliveira is willing to kick you in the dick, Ji Liang has gotten points taken for eye gouging. And the UFC said, if you ever do that again, we will cut you. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so they cut him right above his lip. Right on his lip. <laughs> Badly. But the leech in there has been getting it done as of late. Being on a three-fight winning streak, finishing... His last few opponents, and there's Zaleski being in the wreckage six months ago. Zhilin is falling in love with his striking because he's so confident on the ground now that he's like, I can let, just let these bombs throw. He throws looping punches, but, I mean, there's everything into them. And it's just a matter of time until somebody starts to out-wrestle him, a la the Jake Matthews. Where, okay, I'm not going to eat his outside shots. i got to get in, close, take him down. But you need a high level of grappling. And Neil Magny, that's been his kryptonite. He's a guy who beat, who does win against lower level grappling guys. Getting them up on the cage wearing their gas tanks out. Uh, but it's not started to work as of late. Because people are starting to realize, oh, if I take him down once. I mean, Jose, not Jose, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos made a career at 170 from beating Neil Magny. He got four fights at 170 and was a title contender because he took him down with a leg kick and submitted him. It's just a big flaw. So Xi Liang has a big advantage on the ground and then tons of power and then has shown that he can go a hard three. I just feel like every single check mark is in and for China the And China has figured out whatever the drug is for the cardio with, uh, you know, fast twitch muscle with whatever the... They're doing something that isn't being tested. Like, if USADA tested it, it would not catch yet. It's that nano. We've been talking about it. It's They're nanobots. Next level. They got nanobots. And Lee's been on that next level shit forever. Magni's had that glass chin since 08. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Uh, the leech is even better on the ground here. By which far. Which is so weird to even say. Um, yeah, I just think... The wrestling. I think Neil Magny has okay wrestling. It's just not nearly as good. What is it, jujitsu that Zhi Liang's doing? 
What's he got going on in his ground game? He's definitely, uh, I don't know his level of belt, but when he gets on control, he's just proven, I feel like he was a wrestler out of China. And he's so strong. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's what everybody says. I'm going to go second round. But, uh, I could honestly see the first. I almost want to move it so up you and going not be scared. Submission? I got KO. I got KO. I got clean KO. I want yep. to say uh hurts him to submission, but I just think the way that we've seen the leech his last few fights, he has so much energy in yep. there that he just doesn't stop. And he he'll yell while he's right. punching. It's so. like he's full of coronas beer. Oh <laughs> Ay. 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 Um, could you move it to round one? Or are you feeling I go, round I'm two? I'm going round one. I feel like I because want to Because I've been too. going round two, and I'm like, well, there goes my hot 25. And I have no faith in Neil Magny. I, that's it. Even though I'm, it's been, we see the guys that have taken over a year of lately that we used to say were chinny. Um, and granted, Santiago Ponsnibio, you know, he is my favorite. He he should have been the guy that's fighting uh, for the title up there at 170 to really put a wrench in the whole uh, wrestle fuck that's going on up there. That being said, uh, give me the leech, KO round one. I'm going to also agree with that one. It's going to be one to pick on DraftKings, I feel like, for Zhiliang, 8,900, the minus 185 favorite coming in against Magny's 7,700. Do you think you're going to be playing this on DraftKings yes, anywhere? Yes, I love the leech. I think I love the leech, especially under 9,000 in this matchup. I have two rules I'm going to go with right now. I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you one rule the next fight. Okay. And then one rule the fight after that. So the next fight being at lightweight, 155 pounds, we have Benny. The oh, wait. G it was the last fight I wanted to tell you my rule. And I changed oh. to Madison Madsen because um, elevation is Magni. So I'm going no elevation, and I'm oh. switching to Madsen. Oh, all elevation, no elevation. Yeah. So I'm going no evasion. No evasion. In full effect, Benny and the Jets, I mean Dariush, is going to get it done in there against Drakkar Close. The 11-1-1 fighter has only lost one, getting a draw in there against Venata, was it a while ago? But losing to, was it Tamor in there? Did he squeak out against Venata? He did get a decision over Venata. Bobby Green, uh, Chris Dogiago, so as of his late. David Tamura, I think. Is it his loss? Yeah, his only loss is David, uh, David Tamura. Tamura. Lesser Tamura. Tay Less. Tay Less. Huh, but it was a long time ago. Very long time ago. But either way, Drakkar Close uh, definitely using his wrestling in there to get into... I know I'm going to use the pun again to make it close in there because he has been in a shit ton of decisions and split decisions in there. It's because he, as you're saying on the UFC game, the exact same thing you were saying earlier, Jakar Close will take you down five times in a fight but not land any damage. It's funny. He, if, it, up until recent, I always got Jakar Close and Max Griffin mixed up. <laughs> I can see that. They definitely could be related. In kind of a weird similar fight. So another thing about Jakar Close right now, I'm going to say it. Could he be kin to Ricky from MMA Marks? <laughs> <laughs> you say they all look like. <laughs> no, doesn't he kind of resemble Ricky? He does a look a little bit like Ricky. <laughs> Definitely. They all look alike. <laughs> they. You put a they on it. <laughs> Mixed people? People <laughs> so, that have parents from two different backgrounds? <laughs> they? <laughs> so. But yeah, they do. No, I'm just they kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I think he kind of does look like Ricky. In this fight, it's going to be incredibly close as far as the stats go. But that being said, I don't think Max Griffin looks like Ricky at all. 
Truth. Truth. So he's the in between. I he's the morph. My own bump. He's the morph in there. But here, landing strike amount is gonna be for Dariush. Four strikes, four strikes for close. Takedown accuracy is gonna be about the 1.7 to 1.7, 34%, 80% takedown defense for Dariush compared to close. Close has been taken out a bit more against lesser competition. Well, Bernier Dariush has lost a Couple high level guys, one of them being Hernandez. It's that chin of Benil Dariush that scares me the most. He's by far the better grappler, high level black belt, at a King's MMA with Jakatsi on the card, but shown us that he can knock you out and submit you. And I feel like he's made a change in his game plan as of late of starting to submit guys because he's like, I can't take punches anymore. I don't like that because you can't make a chin better. You can't get like, there's nothing he can do other than dodge punches and eventually he just get hit in a fight. Drakkar Close though has just not shown that power. He's a decision fighter as decision gets. And if it gets to the ground where Close usually has to I was about to interrupt to with to, that. <laughs> Didn't even need to. Didn't need to, but uh, I feel like uh, Close has to get it to the ground and that's where Bear Dariush has the biggest advantage. So I'm going to go submission round number two. I think Benil even gets the takedown in here. I think Close keeps it standing in the first round, but Benny eventually gets it done. Couldn't move that to round number one, but I am going submission hmm. for the Jet. I know it's a shame that we haven't really seen Close go against too many other guys that have his kind of ground game to get see him in those kind of submission attempts. Um, I do respect Drakkar Close's ground game just enough to see this going to decision, even if it's total control by Benil and he has to fight the wrist the whole time. And now it's like, oh, see that body lock? That body lock ain't comfortable. And we have to see three and a half minutes of a body lock two rounds in a row where the judges don't have anything left to say of like, oh, he needs what, what he needs to do is roll over to his right side. And oh, I guess Benil now needs to change his legs. It's going to be that kind of shit. Give me Benil Deary decision and I hate it in everything that you said about his glass chin I would never against 40 other guys I would not have him just with that slight chance that chin could get touched but Jakar Close has never given me that worry right so, Darius decision in this fight you're gonna end up paying for Benil Darius the minus 170 favorite he is 8,700 on DraftKings against Drakkar Close, 7,500 plus 150. Too much for Benil. I agree. But you have a mess finish, so it's I... close. I do got to finish, though. So I actually feel like I could play also for that 8-7. Did you see... This is a little off topic. Um, did you see that people uh, are saying that um, Tyson Fury, his gloves in the fight versus Dante Wilder, he... He was slapping him around? Like, yeah, like he was wearing the wrists of his gloves around his fist. So when he comes in, you could see the actual whole glove fold like there's sand in it. But maybe he's taking clean shots at him through the wrist guard instead of with the padding. Um, and you can actually see uh, images of the gloves kind of I have seen about. those images. It's kind of interesting. I just uh, thought it was funny because I watched some conspiracy show about all professional sports being rigged. And a big thing with big boxing events is how they always predict the upcoming election. And uh, if it was a fixed fight, it's just funny because I'm like, oh, well, that didn't go quite the way they said. But um, the red, red team was Dante... Uh, or it was Tyson Fury, and they always say that the biggest boxing match mass matches the U.S. presidential election, red and blue. Oh. So uh, it's just funny. So if you want to make a bet, 
I'm just saying it might be four more years of you Trumper. Oh, wow. That's a political statement, but that was like boxing to conspiracy. Wow. But the reason I thought it is because we are about to go into a fight where I might need a little bit of hand sanitizer in for the, the boogie woman. Event. For the boogie woman, you never know. You never the know. Boogie woman's coming. Against the champ, we have a belt on the line with Wee Ling Xiang coming in against Joanna Yunjiecek. Two foreign fighters meeting on American soil to see who goes home with the best for the belt at 115 pounds. We have the returning longtime reigning champion, one of the first staples at 115, really making the division great again. Joanna Yunjiecek, a Polish fighter fighting out of American top team has been in Florida training for a long time. She made the trip over about a week ago, but she has been in America, not having to worry about any visa issues at all whatsoever. She's definitely taking it serious in here. Only losing three fights ever in her entire career, two of those being to Rose Namajunas, which the first one was a knockout, handedly. Second Tap one... Tap out to strikes. <laughs> second one, controversial. Second one was definitely uh, way closer. Some people had it for JJ. I think Rose eked that out as well. Then she ended up beating Tisha Torres, losing to Valentina Shevchenko at a weight class up, so not too bad. And then as of late, we got to catch her whoop up on your favorite mom, Michelle Watterson, kicking her leg into the next dimension for the entire five rounds. Young Jacek goes five rounds in her sleep. Young Jacek has yeah, been going five rounds. It doesn't matter. She can keep that output up. Where Li Ji Liang has only had one five-round fight in her entire career, and it finished in 40 seconds against Jessica Andraj in China. Everything was going against Andraj. She was going into enemy territory. She ate a huge, huge uh, couple punches there that put her down, never really got her footing back. Prior to that, she's only fought in the UFC beating, who was it, uh, Jessica Aguilar in a submission, Tisha Torres in a decision, and Danielle Taylor in a decision as well. Zhang has been training in the States. A lot of people saying she has tons of grappling credentials in there. Her only fight she's ever lost was her debut, winning 19 or 20 in a row since then. But here I feel like, even in Andrade, with her whirlwind of coming in in a fight against Rose Namajunas that she was losing every second of until that uh, spike on her head. Zhang is the better fighter than Andrash. There is a lot of other fighters, but she has that KO potential for any fight, and it just came up for her, where this is a much more uh, clinical fighter in Yin Jacek. Kills you by a thousand cuts. Knockout power, not so much, but she'll cut you alive with those elbows. Great footwork on the ground. She's shown she's more than capable. Zhang has proven somewhat on the ground, but it's even though she has that submission, it's just we haven't Jay seen enough in there. Ex exactly. And I think striking-wise, we have seen an average of six strikes uh, per minute for Zhang, but that's only been in three fights. But what I will take away from some of those fights is in uh, that Tisha Torres fight, the third round was a more active landing, 66 strikes. So Zhang got better as it goes on. But that's also, again, JJ's like, okay, I'm just getting cruising, girl. I'm just getting into the second gear. Though the power factor is my biggest issue in this because Zhang does have pop in her punches. Yunjaychek has worn it well. Even if she's hurt, she go will go hard five. Even in Shevchenko when she ate shots, she's got no quit in her at all whatsoever. And I am shocked and appalled at how many people are coming in on Zhang. Ah, I love me some JJ violence. Give me the and new 
and returning 115 pound champ. I think this is just such a big step up in competition. I got a plus money puesta on it. Get it while you can. I didn't honestly think I'd ever see uh, plus money against JJ's name unless it's very specific for you and it'd be Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko, and maybe Rose Namajunas because she's got her number. Other than that, it should always be JJ. Always bet on JJ. What do you think about this fight? Give me JJ in a decision. Um, I think JJ's going to get knocked down ball game. Oh, Oh, you got to think that homegirl against Michelle Watterson, she didn't really have to worry about any power strikes in that fight. She got to keep her distance the whole time, and she didn't have to worry about strength. She could easy out-muscle Michelle Watterson and keep her tall lady leverage the entire time for a takedown. I don't think we're going to have to worry about takedown here regardless. The Shevchenko thing, we always see Valentina have a hard time with pure strikers, and she treated that JJ match almost like a pure striking fight. We saw very few, if any, takedown attempts from Valentina, which we're not going to see from Willie Zhang. A big thing here, which I do like the Valentina Shevchenko comparison, is the power. You got to think that Willie has got to be close to Valentina, but I actually think going down to 115 and the actual muscle that they're carrying, if you look at just cut for cut, Willie Zhang is no joke with power. And the way she manhandled Andraj, I can see why the lines are so heavy favorited. Uh, in her favor um the world's a weird place right now the leech is going to win uh like i'm going no elevation i'm going all china i i think Zhang does have we're not gonna have to worry about the takedown but she would have the takedown fence regard defense regardless i think jj is gonna try to keep her at distance um and we usually see jj with a great tie hook and nasty elbows on the inside mm -hmm. i actually think wile is gonna have more power in that position that puts jj in such a dangerous spot. I think that tie clinch that we usually see JJ excel at, Wheelie's going to have so much power, She's JJ's going to eat knees instead of lay elbows. So um, I want to go finish round one. Um, I'm going to move it to round two to give JJ a little respect, but I, I just think it's a new time. And JJ, I haven't really liked her at the 115. I had Michelle Watterson against her for what it's worth. Um, so I got Zhang KO round number Two. Give me that decision for the plus 140 underdog, minus 160 favorite Zhang on DraftKings, 8,900 for Zhang against Yan Jacek's 7,300. I mean, I'm going to definitely be playing Yan Jacek. Zhang, I'm going to have a little bit of exposure to as well, probably in that 10% range, more of that 20, because Jin Jacek's not going to be my cheap play to allow me to get some of those other bulkier guys. I love guys. Rose. There is no way Rose lays the power that Ziyang lays in her hands. You're right. And uh, how much better that Ziyang has gotten from Tisha Torres wrestling to Andraj murking. Andraj, who everyone was like, this poor Asian girl is going to get murked by Jessica. No one had any respect. True. And Jessica looked half the size of her. And yep. like lesser of a body, if you would ever even think that's possible. I'm worried about the boogie woman, but she's a fucking BMF. She's a Hall of Famer. It doesn't really matter if JJ ever gets the belt again. She will always be, I mean, she will. All, right now she's the second best women's MMA fighter of all time. And I think that will be enough. Maybe the third. <laughs>
Because of Chev. Chev, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think uh, distance with that belt still and amount of times defending it, I think 10 times, that still does more for me. I'd give Chev still number third, even though she lost uh, to Shevchenko. It was at a weight class that's never been, it was really the only fight we ever seen JJ fight at that weight class. So I can't even really, 115 queen. I love JJ. I like what you're saying. I, I would love her to get her belt back. I just can't uh, even fathom too. it. Me too. If she does get it back, a piecing of a, a thousand cuts, and I like the JJ decision. I, I like it's it's Zang knockout, JJ decision. I think that's the right call on that one. If there's you're gonna no throw, way play it up. Zhang's gonna win that decision. Decision, right? No way. There's no way. I can see her heavy two rounds, and then JJ takes it from there. Yep. And we just see old school JJ, yep, which would make me smile the whole time, even on a loop. You're gonna be look. watching an artist paint a picture. Yeah. A but bloody I just do not picture. see it happening. Such a fun fight. Controversial as we go into it. Woo! Excited. I love Michelle. She ain't never been one of them top girls. Then we moving on to the main event at 185 pounds. We have Israel Adesanya coming in against Yoel, Soldier of God, Romero. Coming off of a two-fight losing streak. Two controversial fight losing streaks. Two streak. controversial. Two Whitaker in there. One of those missing weight, he's already talking about how he's not far off, but he's not willing to say. I Well, he said, I think he was 198 was what he was saying uh, as far as Monday's concerned. So not too much mo more to go there. Against Adesanya, who's a perfect 18-0, who hasn't had trouble. He actually weighs a pound under with shorts on a lot of the time. Not the biggest 185-er, but definitely has a lot of length at 30 years old. He is 6'4 to the 6-foot. Yoel Romero is going to have about a six and a half, seven inch reach advantage when it comes to that length. And there are Asanya specifically calling out Yoel Romero, talking about it's the scariest fight. But this new breed style bender, who is 30 years old, has been calling his shots. And I can't remember who was talking about, or in general, just a narrative of, I feel like it's you who says it. Anyone who calls out a shot, anyone who's like, hey, I want that fight, even if it's the scariest fight, it's like, I see something. <laughs> I'm seeing something on this guy that other people aren't seeing. And at 42 years old, there might be a lot to see there. The neck injuries that your Romero's come back from, most men wouldn't be able to walk. Or the women, for that wars matter. he's been in. Can you think of another fighter that has been in more wars? Why he's so scary. Why he's absolutely so scary. But he's talking about that everybody else it takes two years off their fight career and he just is still only Loses a month of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only loses a month of his life where other guys are like hanging on. But I mean, Adesanya got in one of those wars against Gastelum. Came back and knocked out Whitaker quick, fast, and in a hurry round number two. I didn't think it was going to happen in there, but... We're seeing that city kickboxing camp with Volkanovski, with all these other hooker guys. They can put game plans together. And Yo Romero, even though he is a phenom, he still is human and is starting to slow down. His output is slow, even though a lot of people say it's his game plan. It's a lot of rhythm. He has tons of inactivity time where Adesanya will just throw those front teams. Those front kicks keep you at length because he is a striker on the ground. We haven't seen much from him, but Yo Romero has only ever used his wrestling once, and it was against um, Brad Tavares. And everyone's he got like, seven take oh, downs. Cuba, he's a yeah. Cuba Olympic wrestler. Cool. How many gold medals is Cuba winning? <laughs> <laughs> got a silver medal, but either way, he just doesn't well, use it as much. Does 
Yo Romero, um, and I just, the more and more I go back to it, I feel like you were right on with it. I feel like Adesanya, I don't like that he flew in on Monday, because that only gives him four days to acclimate. And we also know that jet lag does not sink in the first day. Absolutely. So he's got a couple days to clear it, but he is 30. Did you see the staff on his arm, or he said it was a scratch? He said it was, he looked at it, it hasn't seen something, but he, Adesanya said, he looked at it and said no. And it stopped growing, and he said it happened to his knuckle before his last fight, and I the saw same it. thing. But old nasty old. he said he didn't take any antibiotics. He's not planning on to because those things make you feel like shit. So he's fine, and he's everything's gonna work out. Okay. That's what officially he did acknowledge that because of again those internet uh, sleuths. You can't get anything nothing, past the anons. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> But I was going to go decision on Asanya because I do, you got to, I mean, five rounds, Yo Romero's gone multiple times and he does have uh, moments of levity where he can put it on and win a round at the last second. Knocked you down, at, cost you a 10 And Asanya has been knocked out, not in MMA, but yeah. in his kickboxing career. And it was specifically a left hand, which Yo Romero has hurt people with his left hand. So give me Asanya. I was going to go decision. I actually think it might be more in that three or four fourth round where Yol will also take some time off. I feel like Adesanya see something up down the middle. Something down the middle line with Yol Romero. But you got to watch those Cuban missiles because they'll come at you. Them flying knees will come from nowhere. And he is a king of plain possum. He just doesn't try to be all wobbly yep. and an actor about it. He just acts like keeps his hands low, maybe does breaks eye contact a little bit, and then all of a sudden fly and knee Chris Whiteman. Uh, that because Chris Weidman was pretty much winning that fight, and there's no reason you can't tell me that that exact same game plan for Chris Weidman can't work for the style bender. A style bender has way better hands than Chris Weidman, faster feet than Chris Weidman. Um, if we don't have to worry about the wrestling cool, if we do, I think style bender has fine takedown defense. He seems to uh circle out when guys are trying to get him up in the against the cage and take him down. He always circles out appropriately and always does what you always love in your fighters lays an elbow on the way out, lays a quick punch on the way out. I love what you were saying about the style bender decision. I just think he takes it all the way there, and it's not because he's not going to do enough that he wouldn't finish a thousand other fighters, but you just can't finish a robot of Yoel Romero. He's going to take so much damage. It's going to be like one of those 120, 130-pound striking nights for style bender, uh, but you're not going to get Yoel out of there. He might eke out a round if Izzy decides to take one off. Um but yeah, I, I, at this point in Romero's game, I think I would have Gastelum to beat him just for Gastelum has faster hands and it would just be points laid. Uh, that's the exact same thing. Stylebender's so fast compared to Yoel. If we saw Costa take advantage of that, which I do think Yoel had that fight, uh, I'll have to rewatch it unbiasedly, of course. But um, if Style, if Yo- if Costa can do that to Yoel, Stylebender's going to lay two for every one punch that Paulo snuck in. So... Uh, I think with kicks up the middle, like you were saying, left, right, he has quick head movement. So if Yoel's swinging at air um, and missing a lot, it's even going to tax him that much harder. Give me style bender, clean, easy, comfortable decision. I actually moved into a TKO. I talked myself into, like we're saying, with those just the striking up the middle against an aged fighter. On DraftKings, though, you're going to have to pay in big money for. Adesanya, minus 280 favorite, 9,200 against Yo Romero, 7,000 plus 240 underdog. I'm going to play some Adesanya. I got to put, you know, 10% of Yo Romero with that intangible. He's that just like, uh, but 
with that, I do think I like Adesanya also being able to finish in here. So I got to play both sides of it, but I don't think it's a stack. Are you thinking of stacking no either way. one of these championships? I, I just don't see you all winning anywhere, honestly. Right. And I do, even that clean knockout that happened to Chris Weidman, everybody was knocking Chris Weidman. <laughs> what do you think about the Zhang um, JJ stack? I think I could stack that much more that is, than that, either one of those. That's your best opportunity for a stack of the night. Um, if it's quick finish on Zhang's part, that would really hurt JJ. But of all the fighters, JJ can lay 20 points around just by strikes. They might not hurt anyone, but she's quick with it. And Absolutely. she does this little uh, shin kick, little shin kick, little shin kick just to feel out her distance. So, I, I, gosh, though, that Rose, if Rose can do that to you, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a stack. I just see it happening. Right, because it's a blowout. It's yeah. a blowout. If it goes to the decision, yeah. it's a stack. If not, then you're going to be on it's the sad side with me. Night. <laughs> it's a fun fight night. It is a great fight night. Can't wait. We I've been spoiled as of late, and it's only going to get better as the month goes on. Because then we get into April. April's so close. If we all Ooh. survive, that's... You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. So, um, you know what? Even if that all happens and you guys are sitting in quarantine a week from now, two weeks from now, guess what? We'll still come to you. We will. We'll find we, a way to you. We appreciate you That's listening. It. Yeah. You take it from there. Let me.